Now, throughout the last month, we've been focusing on evangelism. And we have learned several things about evangelism. But the most simplest way of putting it is that evangelism is a process. It's a process. It's how we do something. It's how we specifically speak to other people about the experience that we have with our Heavenly Father. And that its purpose is not only to share our experience, but to bring his people back to the Father. We've been hearing it in many, many different ways. Evangelism does not have to be frustrating or even intimidating. And sometimes we feel intimidated by it. We believe that effective communicating, effectively communicating our faith in Christ should be the most natural thing in the world. It should be a lifestyle. It should be what, what's part of us, what comes out of our being. But all we just need is encouragement and direction. So this month we focused on preaching and teachings that directed us to the Great Commission. Laying out by, laid out by God through Jesus Christ. We learned that winning or revival of personal commitments to Christ and spreading the gospel to the lost is the heart of God. We've also learned that our responsibility is to bring God's people back to his heart. In Mark 16, 15, and let's go there because I think this is a very powerful, powerful scripture that, that, that God left to us. Mark 16. Fifteen says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Okay. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Okay? How many of you know that God is the one that calls his people to himself? Right? It's not us. We're just an instrument of what God is calling us to do. And he gives us opportunities every single day. The person across the hall from us, the person next to us, at a store when we're going for our breakfast. Um, the people in our families, the next-door neighbor, while we're sitting in the bus or in a train, we're supposed to be asking God in the Spirit, is there someone that needs me to witness today for you? Just naturally. And witnessing doesn't mean... It mean I mean, there's so many different ways. Witnessing simply means... Letting them know your experience with God, what God has done for you. What God has done for you. And especially in those areas that you know have been difficult, that you know that no man at all can touch but God. Right? We also learned 
that a witness tells about something which have, they have had as, an ex, as a personal experience, which is what we call a testimony. So you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to know every scripture in the Bible. You just simply have to confess what God and share what God has done in your own life. We also learn that God through his Holy Spirit gives us the power and the authority and the how to when we witness to usher his people to his throne. We've also learned as we experience God for ourselves in our hearts, in our homes, in our place of work, in our relationships, but specifically in our hard times, when we're broken, when we're heartbroken, when we're depressed, when we are sick, when we feel lonely, we know that God has been there for us. Now, why wouldn't we share that with someone who may be broken? Because how many of us show a very nice face, what they call a poker face, when we go out into the world, not necessarily letting them know that we're lonely, that we're suffering, that we're brokenhearted, so they look great, but inside they're broken. So that doesn't mean that the person who's sitting next to you in the train or in the bus, just because they look nice, they, they look like they're smiling, doesn't mean they're not heartbroken. But through the Holy Spirit, God will show you that. All you have to do is ask. Why would we not want to share Jesus Christ if we know that he's the answer to all of this? Guys, there's an urgency. There's an urgency. When you were broken, because sometimes we just become, we forget. When God takes care of us and cleans us up, we forget what it felt to be broken. So I urge you to remember. Remember when you were broken. Remember when you were sick. Remember what God brought you out of. And that's the way the people are feeling. There's an urgency. There's an urgency. Honey, there's an urgency. That was your clue right there, dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting it from all sides today. I don't know how I'm going to do this in two minutes, but I'm going to do it. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, when you repeat something, it's because you want to drill it and drive it. And the Lord Jesus, he repeated and he drilled and he drove. Amen. And there are a lot of things that we're going to get stirred up about because I believe that we are at a juncture that God's going to begin to shake us and move us. I said that before, and although it took a little bit of time, I'm going to say it again. God is going to shake us and move us so that we can operate and move with not with, you know, let me just leave it there. We began to study about evangelism, as my wife said, you know, and in the beginning I shared that in Luke, the fourth chapter and the 18th verse, the Bible 
begins to share with us when Jesus showed up. Amen. When Jesus showed up to a place in Nazareth where he came up, he went into a synagogue. He went into a synagogue. And if we can put it up there, it'll be good. Uh, it's uh, Luke, the fourth chapter and the 18th verse. And there it is. When Jesus showed up. Now, Jesus, the Son of God, came to do a mission. He came to reconquer. He came to save the lost. He came for you. He got you, and now he's after your family. He's after your friends. He's after your neighborhood. And he's after all those people that do not know him with you by using you. So he said about himself, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, upon him. The Spirit of God anointed him, amen, to do this, to save you. To do the work of the ministry, to evangelize, and to do so many more things. <clears throat> Excuse me. So here we see Jesus starting to move in his particular ministry. Amen? And if we continue, uh, he moved in that realm. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And if you look at verse uh, the 28th verse of that same chapter, you know what happens? In his place, his own people got angry. And they dissed him. The place where God anointed him, it says here, So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, with anger. When you're anointed, when you want to do God's thing, when you want to do God's work, some folk are going to have wrath against you. <clears throat> and things are going to come against you that will surprise you. Amen? So get ready, get ready, get ready. Like T.D. Jakes says, so here we see that if you really want to do the Lord's work, you're going to get some friction. But nonetheless, Jesus begins his work, and I'm bringing you to a place. Now, Jesus also, if you uh, follow him in Matthew, the fourth chapter, and verse 19, he now begins to uh, set up and develop a team. There the Bible says that Jesus, while he was walking through Galilee, amen, he was looking for a team. He was looking for people that he would recruit, amen, to do the work of the ministry, to save the lost, to do evangelism. And the Bible says that he would walk and look with discernment, not at the face, not at the intellect, not at any of those things, but the heart. There's something in you that God can see that no man can see. You ain't fooling nobody when it comes to God's things. Amen. So if you got a pure heart, if you got a conscious heart, a heart that's obedient and listens to the moving of the Holy Spirit, because let me tell you, I don't care how much talent you got. If you don't listen to the Holy Spirit, you're going to go like this and fall right back on your face. You got to move in the spirit. The spirit of the Lord has anointed me to do this. So Jesus is walking through Galilee and he tells these folks that he picks. He says, follow me. Follow me. <clears throat> and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He's looking for fishermen. Fishers of men. And ladies and youth. Amen? 
I don't know if you're looking at me like that because you're listening or, you know, I don't know. <laughs> but he's looking for fishers of men. If you're not ready to fish men, you know, he might just pass you by. When it comes to ministry, although everybody has been called to be a witness of him. The Bible says, after the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses. If you haven't started to witness, you've got to grapple with that. You've got to deal with that. Because that's what the Bible says. That's not what I'm saying. I must say what the Bible says. And all this stuff that we cry out for and we want, if we don't do what the Bible says, it ain't happening. And the revival and all that's nice. But if we don't do what the Bible says, it ain't happening. If we're not anointed, it ain't happening. If we're not fishers of men, it ain't happening. Maybe you're not a fisher of men because you haven't understood what that means. Or maybe they scared you out of that. But we're going to fix that. Because everybody is a fisher of men. Okay? And a lot of times we don't do it because we're afraid. But that's because we've misunderstood something because the Lord does not give us a spirit of but of power, of love for the lost and a sound mind. Amen. So if we don't have that, we got to grapple with that. We got to check our salvation. We got to check our walk. The Bible says, you know, check yourself out. Check your walk with fear and trembling. You got to grapple with that. And I'm here to tell you the truth. Even if there's wrath. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I will make you fishes of men if you follow me. Then, if you continue in Matthew, the 28th chapter and 19th verse. I like it because the word God has the word go in front of it. Three words, but the first two is G-O, go. In this particular portion of scripture, the first thing you see is go, therefore. Go, therefore, it's not, it's not like if you feel like it, go. You know, if you have mercy or compassion or any of that stuff, go. It's about go. Why? Because I'm going to give my last ounce of blood for them. I'm going to go through hell and come back for them. So therefore, you must go. You must go and save the lost. If you don't go and save the lost, you're selfish. Because what about the lost? What about he and she who's not here? What about your cousin? What about your friend? You know, you got a friend, you got a buddy that you haven't spoken to. And you know you haven't spoken to that person. And God is dealing with you. And, and he's grappling with you. And you're like, but you need to speak to that person. God is going to use you. You're the only one that can get to that person. And we're all going to be surprised when we get to heaven and God brings that before us. Remember this? Remember this, I gave you an opportunity and you didn't go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. This is our mission. This is our great commission. This is what the Bible says we have to do. You don't have to pray about this. You don't have to, you know, get a prophet to, to prophesy this over you. It's in the Bible. It's clear as day. This is for the rich and the poor. This is for the young person and the older person. This is for the black and the white. 
This is for the guys downtown and the guys uptown. This is for you. I don't care where you're at, what color, or whatever you have. It's for you. Amen? If you're going to give him a clap, don't patty cake God. Give him a clap. Hallelujah. And now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to narrow in. I'm going to narrow in now. I'm going to go through this portion of Scripture because a lot of times we go through Scripture and we, we miss things. And I'm going to show you how much is in this portion of Scripture. If we can put it up, it'll be great. It's found in the first book of Acts, the first chapter. The first chapter in the book of Acts. Hallelujah. If we could start with verses 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. Verses 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. Because 12 is a governmental number. Amen? But isn't this amazing? When you look at God, how, how great He is. Now, when I do this and when I go into this, just know, just know this. That love, love is not what you, is not what you say. Love is not what you isn't that what you feel? Love is not any of those things. Love is what you do. Love is what you do. For God so loved the world that he thought, man, they're nice. For God so loved the world that he says, man, down the road, you know, uh, you know, uh, Man, they, for God so loved the world that they, they, they're nice. I did a good job. For God so loved the world that he gave. And then he also said, let this mind be in you, in you, in you, and in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And Jesus was made manifest to destroy the works of the enemy. Are you with me? <laughs> I'm peeling this thing off. Amen. I'm going to start reading this. Now look, just check this out. The former account I made, oh, Theophilos. You know that word Theophilos means a friend of God. Isn't it interesting why God would use Theophilos to begin to write this? A friend of God. Okay? The former account I made, O oh, Theophilos, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Interesting. It speaks about what he did actively. And what he taught actively, not what he thought about or any of that. But he was actively doing this and he was actively teaching this. Now, this portion of scripture, you got to realize this. This portion of scripture speaks about when Jesus came up from the grave. He was beaten up. He was mutilated. 
He bore your shame. He was beaten and bruised for your iniquities and mine. The stripes, the 39 stripes were fresh on his back. The crown of thorns was fresh off his head. He went to hell and he had struggled and he took the keys of life and death and he had them. And he now rises up. And Theophilus begins to write about what he did and what he taught after that great experience. Are you with me? This is not just something that he said. This is an experience. This is big time. This is the crux. This is the center, amen, of everything. The center of Christianity. Jesus has just defeated the devil. He bruised his head. And he's getting ready to put a team together to take and conquer everything the devil took. And he's getting them together. And this is the process, like my wife said. This is how it's done. Amen? Listen to me very closely. So Theophilus writes about what he taught and what he did. Verse 2. Until the day when he was taken up after he had, interesting, by the Holy Spirit, given big word, orders. Not a council. He gave orders. Or he gave orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. So these that he had chosen, he gives them orders. Okay? Jesus the Christ, who just came out of the pit, who just came out of Seol and has the keys to life and to death, has all power in heaven and in earth. And he is getting his team together to go and take over uh, the world. Are you with me? If we were to put a name on this little short talk, I would put it this way. And you'll find that as we conclude. Are you a gazer at the stars? Or are you a blazer? In the gospel. Sounds funny, but that's a true, that's a real question. Are you a blazer or are you just a faker? <laughs> or a baker? It's the truth. So, this is an account of what he did after. He rose from the grave, and he's moving around. Verse 3, amen. To these he also presented himself alive. Why? Because they had just crucified him. Everybody saw him dead. Everybody saw him give up the ghost. And the challenge to the disciples and the apostles, in fact, it was to demonstrate that this Jesus that you crucified is alive. And in his name, this man here got healed, which is our challenge as well. And that was the challenge. Interesting. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering. And here it's reiterated again. His suffering by the many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period, interesting again, of 40 days. And speaking of the things concerning the kingdom. 40 days. 40 means trial. 
after three, the number four means a new start, a new chance, a new break. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they thought they had it. They were in the fiery furnace, but then the fourth person showed up. And the fourth person was Jesus in a theophanies, which means he showed up even before time. Even before the New Testament, Jesus says, this is so important, I got to show up. Ain't that something? He forgave them on credit. Because he wasn't crucified yet. Was he crucified? And he was crucified for forgiveness of our sins. We got to learn this. We got to pick this up. So here we see Jesus. Amen. Doing it. And gathering his people. He presented himself appearing to them over a period of 40 days. With convincing proofs. And then it says. Concerning the kingdom concerning the kingdom if you study the word and you study the ministry of jesus christ amen and you break it down according to how it's supposed to be he came to preach he came to teach he came to heal the sick and he came to cast out Demons. Hello. Hello. If you take any of those away from there, you ain't got no kingdom. You might have some good news. Without power. Because you need the whole picture. 25% of all of those make a whole. To preach. To teach. To heal. And to cast out devils. If I'm sick, don't any of you ever come to my place in the hospital and say, Father, if it's your will, well, I'm going to tell you to go. I'm going to tell you to leave. But because I know it's his will to heal you and to deliver you and to make you a blessing and to raise you up. It is our limitations that stop him. Amen. So if you take... Those two bottom things that I said, the healing and the casting out of devils from the kingdom, you just have good news without power. And the church has been lacking a lot of power because the church has to begin to reactivate, amen, and begin to move, amen, in prayer and supplication, amen. And if you look at this, it's interesting. In the beginning, it speaks about he spoke to them by the Spirit, and He ordered them, giving them instructions. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of the tabernacle back in the desert, when God spoke to Moses, and He spoke to him, and gave him order and specs, specifications, instruction, divine instructions, perfect things to do, because He is going to dwell in the midst and I want it this way and I want it that way because I'm God. And this is how it works. I'm teaching you. In the New Testament, we can see that he ordered them through his son Jesus by the Spirit, amen, to do instruction. Are you with me? The character of God. The character of God. Amen. He commanded them 
not to also leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said you heard of from me. Another instruction was not, not to leave, to go to Jerusalem, to go to the upper room, to go and wait and pray. But to go and wait and pray, not with a list of things to do, but with instruction. Because he gave them the instruction. Pray and wait for the promise. They were praying for what? The promise. And don't move. Don't give out a track. Don't mail nothing. Don't do anything until you go there and my power, the power that my father said would come on you, would come on you. And a lot of times we move ahead of the Holy Spirit. A lot of times, especially in ministry, you can't get in front of them. If you get in front of the move of God in the Spirit, you, you're not going to have success. And you can't get too far behind. You got to be hand to hand, toe to toe, right side by side. He is the paraclete, el paracleto, the one who is near you, beside you, guiding and taking you where you need to go. I don't care how much instruction you got, but God can change his mind, his mind in a minute. You know, he can do whatever he wants. Okay? He ain't doing it like he used to do it 15 years ago. There's a different anointing out there. There's a glory anointing. The thing about the glory anointing, it, it doesn't come easy. Or just because we are emotionally singing or jumping or whatever. The glory anointing is an anointing that you got to break through and receive. you got to break down. Amen? And you got to have the proper ambience because the glory is the full character of God present. That's for another day. But that's the glory of God. Amen? And then he says, go and wait for the promise which he had said you, uh, you would receive from him. And then verse 5, for John baptizes, he tells him, for John baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That means they were going to get filled and baptized, full of power. Verse 6, and so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, this is humanity again. They came together and they asked him, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? Again, looking at the flesh, they were talking about a kingdom. A kingdom on earth. A kingdom right there to overtake Rome. And that's not what God was talking about through Jesus. He was talking about a spiritual kingdom. A kingdom that its weapons were not carnal but mighty and powerful to the pulling down of strongholds. Spiritual bastions and spiritual things that bound and, and, and torment human beings and, and move anti-God. That's what he was talking about. But yet the people were talking, is it now that you are going to set up an army with a hundred thousand horses and chariots? No, 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 no. That's not what he was talking about. He was talking about a different kingdom. Amen? And so when they had come together, they asked him that. You are restoring the kingdom to Israel? No. He said, this is the response. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by His own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then it says, you 
and you shall be my, again, witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the uttermost and remotest parts of the earth. After you receive the power. You want to evangelize? You need power. Sometimes we don't evangelize because they scared the jack out of us the way they asked us. Sometimes we don't evangelize because we're scared. Sometimes we don't evangelize because we don't understand. Sometimes we don't evangelize because of whatever the reason is. Evangelism is not always being out in the streets. Evangelism can be in your home, in, in your floor, in, in your relative's house, in your place of work. Evangelism is everywhere. Actually, evangelism should be and is Father, take me to where somebody needs me. Take me to where somebody needs me. I don't care where it is. It could be a rooftop. It could be a basement. It could be my place of work. Wherever that soul is, take me there. Evangelism should start with prayer. Evangelism should start with God's anointing on you and his power on you. Amen? And we can do it, and it can be done. And we're going to have a breakthrough, and God is going to do it. Amen? Get excited. And after he had said these things, he was... Okay, verse 8 before I do that. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the remotest parts of the world. And, and this is Jesus speaking, amen, after he came up. Amen. From being resurrected and walking around for 40 days, he was doing this and teaching this. He was teaching the kingdom, folks. He was teaching evangelism, folks. He was teaching go get the lost. He was teaching pray. He was teaching you need to be anointed. This is what he was doing and he was teaching. You want to know the ministry? Well, here it is. This is the ministry in a nutshell. If you want to move in this, yes, we need teaching and all that other stuff, but those are parts of it. But the crux of this whole thing is getting the lost saved. For this reason, Jesus Christ died and shed his blood. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up, it says, while they were looking on. And then it says a cloud received him out of their sight. Jesus was lifted, and a cloud took Jesus out of their sight. And just imagine, they're like, whoa, whoa, never seen this before, whoa. You know, they were like, dumbfound, estupefacto, apopleptico. They were like, wow, never seen this before. And as they were, it says, gazing. And that's where I got the name. As they were gazing intently into the sky while he was departing, behold, it says, as they were gazing, looking at the stars, like some of us do, we're looking at T.D. Jakes. <laughs> and we're looking at that other preacher, and Michael Jordan, <laughs> we're looking at the stars. And God doesn't want us gazing. He wants us looking at him. Are you with me? Okay. 
Because that's what happened even to the disciples. Are you with me? They were gazing. They were looking up. This was so awesome to them that they were just looking and gazing at the stars. And the Lord had to send two angels, amen, to stir them up. Hey, hey, wake up. This same Jesus that you're gazing at, this same Jesus that you're looking and gazing at, well, he's coming back in the same like manner with power and with glory. But you got to bring this gospel to all the parts of the earth. And then he'll come back. Amen. Here it is in a nutshell. Here the Lord is teaching. Amen. What he wants to accomplish. He begins. Amen. By reading the scripture. Foundation. Spoke it. I'm standing on this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Whatever you do, you better have the scripture under you. Amen. Whatever you do, you better pick a good team that God gives you. A team that is willing to work with you. A team that is anointed. If there's strife, break up that team. Start it again. Otherwise, you're not going to have success. Amen? So here we see all the aspects of how to do that. Amen? And then you can go out there. And save the lost. And teach the lost. And build up the lost. And reproduce yourself in the lost. And establish God's kingdom with the lost. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the gospel. This is our great commission. This is our mandate. Young people... This is your mandate. There are a lot of young people that need you. If you're sitting here tonight, today, this afternoon, it's because there's a degree of power in your life. And the finger of God is heavily and strongly upon you. That at this early age, with all that mess going on out there, somehow he's pulled you and he's got you here. Listening and hearing to what the Lord has to say. And whoever else is here and is hearing, God still has you here. Listening and hearing to what the Lord has to say. God is good. And he's going to move with power and with glory. But let me tell you something. Prophetically, it's not like it used to be. It's not like it used to be. Ordinary is not enough. Ordinary is not enough. You have to be relentless for Jesus Christ.